You're listening to the Coastal Church Audio Podcast with Pastor Dave Koop. We're going to go into a series in October on influence, and uh, everybody here has got influence. Some of us have more influence, some of you have less influence, but everybody has a world of influence, and you can influence people that I could never influence, and I would have influence on people that you might not have influence on. But God wants us to use our influence. He has really designed it that way. John Maxwell made the statement, he's well known for it, and maybe others have said it before him, but leadership is influence. If you influence people, you're a leader. The good thing about influence and leadership is that it can grow. You can get stronger and more influential, and you can get stronger in your leadership. But God's called us to be leaders. He's called us to influence the world that's around us. And so this morning, we're going to start it off by influencing you. And I want to make this statement to begin with, that Jesus called us to follow him to a life of adventure and significance. So if you're taking notes, the words you want to put in there is adventure and significance. I really believe that the Christian life is the most, it's a life of great adventure, and it's a life of really great significance and identity. If our life is not full of adventure, if our life following Christ is not exciting, if it's not significant, then we have to check up and say, what's wrong with it? Because I think Jesus called us to an amazing life full of adventure and a life of significance. He said to the disciples, he said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. In John chapter 10, he said, I came so that you can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they've ever dreamed of. Another translation says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And I think all of us here would want to have an abundant life, a life better than we dreamed of. And if Jesus called us that abundant life, I guess the question is, well, how would I really enjoy that abundant life? What, what, what's involved with it? One of the things that's involved with it is the influence that you have and how you use the influence in the world around you. In Matthew 4, verse 19, in the Message Bible, it reads, Jesus said to them, come with me. I'll make a new kind of fisherman out of you. He's calling fishermen. He's, I'll make a new fisherman out of you. I'll show you how to catch men and women instead of perch and bass. And he's doing the same thing today. Jesus say, hey, come follow me and I'll make you. Notice the word make you. It's not instant, but I'll make you. I'll develop you and you will be a fisher of men. In other words, I will help you, train you to be a person of influence, a leader. This is what Jesus does. The disciples in the book of Acts they're called before a bunch of religious leaders and other leaders, and they're being quizzed, and they look at them and they say, these guys have been with Jesus because there's something about them. They were backwoods fishermen, but today they're confident, they're strong, they're influential, they have been with Jesus. And the same thing can happen to us. If we're with Jesus and we follow what he says to do, it really is a life of adventure and significance. Last night, we had water baptism, like Pastor Cheryl was mentioning, and what a night we had. Wow, it was incredible. It was just one of those nights where you can just feel God smiling on the evening. The sun was going down. The water was perfectly calm. And uh, here's a picture of the, of the beach last night. And you had the ships in the background, and it was, it was surreal. 
And then God did a bonus for us. Maybe we'll get a picture next Sunday of it. But he did a flyby. You know when you have a, a military celebration, you have the planes come fly by. Well, God did that for us. He had about three or four formations of geese fly by, a low flyby. And they went right by us. And people that were watching up on the rock said, what's going on? This is something really special. They just, they sensed it, that there was something about this evening as those people were being baptized. Earlier on in the evening, at the evening service, they had shared how Christ had impacted their life, and there was a thread that ran through all their stories. The thread was this, I can't wait to tell more people about what God has done in my life. And they all kind of echoed that same thing in their own words, that one of the things about baptism is I am going public. And one of the gals is a mountain biker, and she said, I've kept my Christian life kind of to myself, but it's time, and after my baptism, I'm going to be a lot more intentional about telling what God's done in my life. I am no longer ashamed. I am not embarrassed, and I'm going to tell people about what I'm doing in my life. She's a mountain biker. Her world of influence is mountain biking. I don't mountain bike, so I wouldn't know her world, but God wants to use her influence. Well, I did mountain bike once. <laughs> and James, you told the story on that when I was gone. And you put my picture of the wipeout up. I saw, I heard about that. <laughs> There's a thread there, yeah. Thanks, James. My one and only mountain biking time. You're laughing, Dan. We're getting you out there next time. You're going to come down there with us. And yeah, we'll do it together. Mountain biking. All right. You know, God's got this great story. It's a great drama. And he said, I got you, I, I want to write you into the play. I'm going to cast you in. You have a role to play in this drama. And we can, we can jump up and be part of this drama. I think the reason a lot of young people decide maybe not to follow God because the drama looks boring, it looks dull, there's no adventure, there's no risk, there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing exciting in it. So, man, I don't know if I want to be part of that. And cold, dead religion will do that to you. But when you find out what Jesus is really about, how he'd want to use your world and your influence, and it is a life of adventure, sign me up. I want to be part of that. And the gist of the message this morning is this. If you give away what God's done in your life, you will never be bored following Jesus. You'll never get tired of coming to church. You'll never get tired of living for him. You'll never get tired of reading his word when you give away what he's done in your life. But if you put a lid on it, you seal it up, it'll soon get very cold, dead, and boring. The adventure stops. Hang around Jesus, and he's going to make you a leader. There was a time in my life when I was an undercover Christian. I kept all my Christianity on the DL, and I, I was actually kind of, I hate to admit it, but I was, I was embarrassed, and I actually hoped people wouldn't ask me about my faith. See, I grew up on a farm, my dad was a farmer, but he also pastored a, a little rural church. And when I got asked at school or anywhere else what my dad did, I would never tell them that my dad was a pastor. I'd always just say, he's a farmer. I'm going to be a farmer. I remember one time one of my friends found out that my dad was a pastor because his dad sold my dad insurance. And he said, I heard that your dad's a pastor. You, do you go to church? And, and I mumbled something, but I did not want to talk about it. Really, it was, it was a sad way to live. I had just enough Christianity to be miserable. That's what I had. And so, I, I, like a lot of farm kids, we, you know, we went to work on the drilling rigs when we, we finished the farm. And if you worked in southern Alberta uh, on a farm, you could get a job as a rough dick on a drilling rig pretty quick. And good money, hard work, good money. And so I went to work on the drilling rig. And I was, I was a greenhorn, a roughneck, and... Uh, 
so I got placed on the least desirable crew. And uh, I'd go into the foothills uh, and uh, into the mountains there to drill with our, this crew. And my driller was a guy who had some drug problems. He needed a recovery program is what he needed. And the problem was that while he operated the equipment, sometimes he was under the influence of drugs. Now, folks, we're, we're pulling four miles of pipe out of the ground. you got screaming diesel motors, heavy equipment all around you, and he's under the influence of drugs. Well, more than once, I was hurt. Others were hurt because he was making poor judgments. And so I, honestly, I really didn't like the guy at all. I just got stuck on his crew and was, had to work for him. One particular day, I went into the shack we had there, the controls, and the, it's called the doghouse, and I went in there, and he was sitting there, and he, he looked over at me. We had one weekend off a month, and that weekend, he knew I went to church. For whatever reason, that was out in the open, and it wasn't a lot of salt, a lot of light, but that was all I had really shared. And that day, in the doghouse, he looked at me, and he says, Dave, you go to church, don't you? And I went, yeah. He said, I got a question for you. Dave, am I going to heaven or hell? And I was thinking, that's not too hard to figure out if you haven't got that figured out. <laughs> now, how many of you know that's a pretty good opening to share the love of God? I could have said, you know, God doesn't want anybody to perish. I mean, that was a springboard if there ever was. But I'm, I'm, I regret having to admit this, but I closed my lunch bucket, and I said, I don't know, and I walked out. And I never did tell him. All the time I was there, he was interested, but I never did share my faith, I'm embarrassed to say. I prayed for him since and trust God's brought somebody else in his life, but I, I didn't help the cause much at all. Later on, I got married, and we were living in Calgary. I was going to school. We were attending another church. And again, Cheryl and I, we basically were miserable in our faith because we weren't giving it away. I went to my workplace, and I didn't talk about my faith. I kept it all to myself. Sundays, we went to church. We, had a, we even had a life group. We went there. But I wouldn't talk about it to my neighbors, nobody. Even if they brought it up, I wouldn't talk about it. I got convicted about it, and so they had a course called Evangelism Explosion. It, you know, really 80s kind of stuff. And it was... And so I, Cheryl and I talked about it, and she says, you know, maybe, maybe you should try that. Because I was just feeling uncomfortable because I'd, I'd never really talked... I, about my faith. So I went to this course, and you had to memor whole bunch of, memorize a bunch of scriptures and memorize a bunch of lines, and then some of the group had to stay back and pray, and then some had to go down the street and knock on a door. And so we fought about who got to stay back and pray. <laughs> and none of us wanted to go and knock on the door. There was not a lot of power in that. And then when we got to the door, remember one time it was my friend Dave and I, it was our turn to go, and so we... we walked down the street, and we came to our area, and I said, looking up the sidewalk, I said, Dave, you go. He said, no, no, you go. And I said, Dave, I think, it's, I think really, you ought to go. He said, no, you go. And finally, I don't know which one of us went, but I just remember going up there, and we timidly knocked on the door. Nope, they're not home. Let's go. <laughs> we ran down the street. It was so sad. And I'm so glad God set me free from that, that I don't have to worry about sharing my faith like that. I'm not going to knock it if that's, I mean, God can use that, but I think there's an easier way to do it. Live your life and be salty. And people say, hey, what's going on in your life? Can you tell me about what the difference, what God did in your life? It's an adventurous life. It's a great life to give away your faith. It's the greatest life to live. And I was, it wasn't until we, God got a hold of us and filled us with his Holy Spirit, we realized that Acts 1.8, he said, I will give you power to be a witness 
And we surrender to God and say, God, I need your power because I can't do this on my own. But if you'll give us power, we do want to share with others what you've done in our, in our lives. And it's not been the same since. It's a life of adventure, folks. The Christian life is the greatest life to live, bar none. And if it's not been the greatest life for you, just check up, am I sharing my faith with others? We went to a church one night, Cheryl and I, during this season of our life, and the minister was speaking, and he was older, but the man was so full of passion. We went up to him after and said, man, what keeps you so on fire? There is, there is something about you. He said, I'll tell you a couple things you got to do, and it'll always be with you. Number one, pray every day. I said, okay, we're doing that. Number two, read your Bible every day. Okay, doing that. Three, stay in church. But lastly, every day, look for a way to share your faith with somebody else. He says, a lot of people read their Bibles, they pray, and they go to church, but they're not sharing their faith. He says, if you do that, the life and the power of God will flow through your life. So that brings me to the next point, that the life this life of Christ, this abundant life, is realized when we use our influence to share our discovery. John 7, 38, Jesus said, He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Folks, you're designed to be a river. Something's designed to flow out of you. We're not a reservoir. He didn't call us to be a reservoir. You're a river, not a reservoir. On the farm in Alberta, we had something called a dugout. A dugout was just that, ground that was dug out so water would fill in it, snow would melt, run into it, and that water became the water for the cattle and the horses that were there. Our cows drank it, our horses drank it, but we wouldn't drink it because it was slimy. It was full of green stuff and frogs and tadpoles and all kinds of stuff. There's no way we'd drink it. But we had the watered river running through our land. It came out of the Rocky Mountains through the foothills and through our land. And I love the Waterton River. We fished in the Waterton River. We rafted down the Waterton River. We drove our motorbikes and drowned them in the Waterton River. We'd, we took our horses across the Waterton River. We, we lived at the river. We, we ate Saskatoon berries and wild strawberries at the river. We, we loved the life that was around the river. We hunted by the river. We loved the river. We drank the water. We actually put it into a tank and hauled it, dumped it into our cistern at the farm. We drank the water from the river. What was the difference between the reservoir and the river? The river was fresh and full of life. And the way this Christian life works is what God's put in us has to flow out of us. If we can it and put a lid on it, it gets stale and stinky. And Christians that don't share their faith get stale and stinky. They may have all the Bible memorized and be a great theologian and all the rest of it, but they're not sharing their faith. It gets real stale and stinky. The more you give away your faith, what God's done in your life, the more vibrant, the more real, the more hungry that you are. You think you just got to keep it to yourself, but it doesn't work that way. Give it away. You're a river. Life flows through you, and God's counting on us, our influence. That's the next point. God's depending on our influence to demonstrate his love. He's not going to call the angels up and say, Angels, get down to Vancouver because that Vancouver really needs some help. And would you tell them that my son came and paid for their sins? No, he's counting on you and I. We're the ones that he's called to do it. And 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are the ones chosen by God. Would you look at your neighbor and just say, you're the one that's chosen. We're the chosen ones. Now, we may not look like we got it all together. We might not be the most qualified, but hey, we're the ones that are chosen. God's instruments to do His work 
Speak out for him. What? To tell others of the night and day difference he made for you. Again, last night, what a time we had hearing those stories. Whew. It was so rich. It was mwah. It was just so good. Night and day difference. I love it. That's what makes Christianity difference from anything else. It's a night and day difference. I once was lost. I'm found. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know if you even understand it, but I was this. Like the guy said, I once was blind. I now see. I don't understand it all. I just know I'm not the same. Let me just witness to what happened to my life. And the good thing is you don't have to be perfect. You just have to be chosen. Sometimes, I don't know it's been that way for you, but the most unexpected times, God will say, I need you to share my love with somebody else. And I don't feel called. I don't feel like I got it together. But God's tapped me on the shoulder and asked me to do it. We were in Nepal. We had a missions trip there. We took this team, landed in Kathmandu. We went to another city called Dharan Bazaar. And it was bizarre. It was, the year was 2053, and they had a different calendar. It was, it was really different, and uh, it was tiring. I came back to Kathmandu. I was spent physically. I was spent emotionally. I was spent spiritually. We stayed overnight there, and then I got everybody onto the vehicles to the airport, got everybody on the plane through the customs and all that good stuff, walked out on the tarmac, had the little ladder going up to the back of the plane, and we're flying Singapore Airlines from Nepal, Kathmandu, back to Singapore. I'm the last on the plane, got everybody on, I got my little carry-on, and I'm getting on the plane, and I'm thinking, okay, that's it. I got everybody on, I'm done. I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. Now, I had done something that I learned in sales years ago, is that when you complete a project, have an award, a reward of some kind for yourself, whether it be a steak dinner or a milkshake or something, but do something to reward your effort. And so my reward was I bought a ticket that had the window seat at the right place in the plane so I could see Mount Everest. That was it. I was looking forward to seeing Mount Everest. It's a clear day in Nepal, not a cloud in the sky. And I'm looking forward to it. So I'm walking back with my little carry-on, and I get to the roll that I'm in, and I look down, and I check my ticket. It's the right row, but somebody's sitting in the window seat. So I pulled out my ticket, and I said very nicely to the man, excuse me, sir, but this is the row that I'm sitting in, and this is my ticket, and you'd be sitting in my seat. And he said, oh, it's no problem. He said, sir, I've, uh, I got here a little bit early, and I got my luggage, my bag already underneath the seat. And, I, and uh, after all, you got more leg room on the, on, you know, you can stretch your legs, you're tall. Why don't you sit on the aisle? And, and I said, no, you don't understand. I have my ticket, and I bought it, and, I, and I'm sitting in the window seat, sir. And then he gave me one of those phony smiles. You sit over there. I said, no, no, you don't understand, sir. Why don't you take your bag and get your stuff out of that seat because I'm going to sit in that. Now, I, 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 I'm sorry, as your pastor, but folks, you just, you got to know. I hate to admit this, but I was on this mission trip, and all the fruit had got picked off the tree. Okay, there was no, the kindness was gone. All the gentleness was picked off. The love had been picked off. The self-control was gone. And that shouldn't have been that way, but it was. And so I rather harshly told him to get out of his seat. I'm sitting there. You can, and, he, and he said, okay, whatever. He sat down, and I got in my seat. Now, 
I'm looking out the window. I'm not making eye contact with him. I'm not even looking at the stewardess when she does her little drill. I'm just looking out the window. And, okay, I'm going to see Mount Everest. And we take off, and we go up in the air, and it's a gorgeous day. And, you know, the Himalayas is like taking our mountains, the North Shore, and you put another big set of mountains behind it. It's spectacular, but I'm not enjoying it. I see Mount Everest, and it's nothing, there's nothing really in it. And about that time, I feel this urge and a voice in my heart saying, I want you to share my love with the man beside you. And I'm thinking, okay, God, I know. My mind's being confused. I'm, I'm, I've been working too hard, and this can't be God. And so I just cast that thought down. I'm not going to think about that. And I just, I just, and the thought comes again, share my love with the man beside you. I go, no, this can't be. This is, so, my mind's playing tricks. I'm thinking a spiritual thought or whatever. And I said, okay, God, if this is really you, then give me a sign. And I'm waiting, and then he pulls this magazine from his carry-on, and it's, I glance over, and it says something about your spiritual journey. So that would be a clue, right? <laughs> so I thought, okay. Now, you have to admit, I have to admit, it was a little bit awkward starting the conversation, and he wasn't too eager to engage in the conversation with me. But I pushed through and talked to him, and then I just told him my story. And I said, this is what happened to me how Jesus impacted my life. A lot of risk involved with it. I, was, I wasn't at my best. I was probably at my worst. And I went through it. And he was just so taken back by the story of the love of God. And then I said, would you, would you like to have Jesus in your life? And I'm kind of thinking he's just going to say no, and that'll be the end of it. But he says, yeah, I would. I says, well, you have to pray out loud on the plane here, would you do that? And tears coming down his face, he said, yeah, I want this. I've been looking a long time for this. And they're on the plane between Kathmandu and Singapore. A man of the turban bowed his head and gave his life to Jesus, despite my inabilities. I had apologized for the way I acted, of course. But I shared that story just to say, you don't have to have it all together. God just needs something to work with. Your influence and where you are, God's waiting for you. I'll never forget that day as long as I live. Every time that, folks, I've talked and given away my faith, shared with somebody else, it's become a mountain peak in my spiritual journey. It's just something about giving it away. Having an opportunity to do that. It's the greatest life to live. Now, Everyone has a degree of influence. And we're going to do a quick poll here this morning. And so I'm going to ask them to put up the poll. Get out your iPhone. And we want you to bring your iPhone to church. Just turn it on vibrate. And uh, we're going to get you to text in your answer this morning. And the question is this. Who had the greatest influence on you to accept Jesus into your life? Your father, your mother, a relative, a co-worker, a friend, a pastor, or church co-worker. So that's going to be coming up the screen here any minute, and uh, you will get to, there it is. So you're going to dial 37607, and if your parents were the most influential, then you type in person one. And so obviously if your friend was, you type in person four. So go ahead and text that in, and we're going to keep going, and we'll come back and we'll get the results. But let's poll our audience this morning and see who had the most influence on you, because we all have influence on the people around us. If you go to the Bible, you'll find that the influence that 
Andrew had on his brother Peter was huge. Some of the times influences come through family. And Andrew had said to Peter, hey, come check this out. I've been following John the Baptist, and John the Baptist told us about this Jesus, and I think he's the Messiah. you got to come see. And so it was a family member influencing another brother, saying, come find this. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. Peter went on to be called the rock, and he has hugely influenced the world. But it was his brother who said, come check this out. And sometimes that's all we need to do with our influence. Hey, come check this out. A family member, Alpha's running tomorrow night at 6.30. Why don't you come check it out? Just come and see. Come and see. Check it out for yourself. That's one of the reasons I love Alpha, because it's just come see. No pressure. Just come check it out. I don't think Jesus strong-armed anybody, because it wouldn't be love if he did. He's just come see. Come taste. See that the Lord's good. And, of course, we can influence others through family. That was Simon Peter. We can do it through friends. The woman at the, woman, the, woman at the well in John chapter 4, Jesus had influenced her life, had told her about her life, and as a result, she went back to her village and she told her friends. John 4, 39 says in the Message Bible, many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of the woman's witness. He knew all about the things I did. He knows me inside and out. Her witness. Here's this woman. And folks, she didn't have the best reputation in town, all right? She had a number of husbands. She's shacked up with a guy now. Jesus loves her, talks to her, and has a huge influence on her life. And she runs back to her friends and says, hey, you got to come check this out. Come meet this guy. And Jesus stays there two more days in that village. It was a friend telling other friends. Andrew was a family member telling other family members. We have influence in our community. Somebody influenced us, and we can influence somebody else. I don't know what degree of influence you have, but I promise you this, God wants us to use our influence in our world to share his love with somebody else. And the minute we do that, our Christian walk goes to H&L, a whole nother level. Yeah, let's get the results. Let's uh, find out what came in number one. All right, parents came in number one, and looks like friends, oh, pastor and church worker came second, friend, two, relative, third, colleague came in last. So you see, parents, the same thing happened in the first service. Parents, your influence is really big, huge. Friends, your influence is huge. We have influence. We're leaders. Somebody influenced us. Wow. You know, heaven celebrates when somebody turns and gives their life to God. Last night, we had a party. But heaven, what a party they had. It says, in heaven, there's great joy over one person who turns and says, I'm going to come to God. It doesn't say heaven has a party because somebody got their degree. It doesn't say heaven got a party because somebody got a new business deal. Heaven had a party because somebody won an award. Heaven has a party because somebody used their influence to show somebody that God loves them. If heaven gets excited about this kind of stuff, I'm going to wish you get excited about it. You don't sound totally convinced yet this morning. <laughs> I got a lot of work to do. God help the preacher. <laughs> I know you're taking it in. That's cool. 
Well, let me switch it to a video. This will help you. The movie Courageous is out this coming, oh, it's out on Friday already, came out. It's in the theaters. And in the movie, the two police officers are at a gun range and they have a conversation as friends and co-workers. So I'll let you hear it and hear how this individual shares his faith at the workplace. So let's roll this. Hey, Nathan, can I ask you something? Yeah, what's up? Do you really feel like it messed up your childhood not having a dad? <laughs> More than you know. I struggled with who I was, trying to prove myself. Almost got in the game. You know, if fathers just did what they're supposed to do, half of the junk that we face on the streets wouldn't exist. Why are you worried about it? You nervous about being a father one day? I already am one. You got a kid? A little girl. She's four now. I was playing ball in college. Hooked up with a cheerleader. I told her to take care of it. She didn't do it. So I got mad and left her to deal with herself. You know, she lives 30 minutes away now. I can't bring myself to go see her. She married? No. I just never really loved her, you know? And then hearing you guys talk about how father's walking out messed up the kids. And then seeing this stuff. I want to be one of those guys. David, part of being a man is about taking responsibility. Any fool can have a child. I'm just tired of feeling guilty. Well, let me break it to you this way. You are guilty. Listen, one day you, me, <laughs> and every one of us are going to have to stand before God. And he's going to do what good judges do. Well, and I hope my good outweighs my bad, Nathan. That's not the way it works. You know that. Let me put it this way. Who's the person you're closest to? Probably my mom. Okay. Suppose she was brutally attacked and murdered in a parking lot. The guy was caught and put on trial. But he says, hey, judge, I committed this crime, but I've done a lot of good in my life. If the judge let him go free, would you say he was a good judge or a bad judge? A bad one. That's right. Because the Bible says that God is a good judge, and he will punish the guilty not for what they did right, but for what they did wrong. Because he loved us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to take the punishment that we deserve and put it on himself. And that's why he died on the cross. But it only applies if you accept it. That's why I asked for his forgiveness. I asked him to save me. And I'm a new man because of Christ. You understand what I'm telling you? Then what's holding you back?
Nothing. Response with this fellow when he says, nothing. I think that's a lot of people in our Vancouver community. I think there's a lot of them that said, nothing. I just didn't know. I didn't know that Jesus took my guilt and shame. Nobody told me. Nobody explained it to me. Nobody lived around me. I just didn't know, but nothing's holding me back. God's waiting for us to use our influence, whether it be as a family member, whether it be a friend, or just somebody in the community. There's a story in your Bible about a guy by the name of Cornelius, and he invites all his relatives, all his friends, when Peter comes to town. He's a centurion. He's a soldier. He invites everybody to come here. Sharing our faith and our influence has risk and reward. There's Every adventure has a risk. If you're a snowboarder, there's a risk involved. If you drive a car, there's a risk involved. If you fly in a plane, it's an adventure, but there's a risk involved. And when we use our influence to share our faith, there is a risk involved. What's the risk? People might reject you. People are going to say, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about your religion. I don't want to hear about your faith. That's between you and God, and please keep it to yourself. And you know what? You're going to get some of that. Some people are just going to say, keep it to yourself. But God can even take that, and it'll just water the seed, and that's, up, that's between them and the Lord. I'm just, I'm just telling you what happened to me. I'm, a witness just says, this is what happened to me. Influence, the last point, comes from caring for others and results in great joy. Our influence really comes when we care about our community. That's why I mentioned this project we're doing, Vancouver Center of Arts and Technology. We just care about our community. We care about others. And as a church, we've never been a church that says, okay, let's all get together, go on Robson Street and hand out a piece of paper. That's not been our approach. Or to stand on the street corner with a sign. That's not been our approach. We've just gone to Luke chapter 10, and here's Jesus' approach. He said, go out there, meet people, get to know them, and get to know them in their home. Have a meal together with them. And as you get to know people, have a meal with them, they'll start to tell you where they hurt. And then pray that they get better. And after you pray for them to get better, they're going to ask you, what do you believe in? And then tell them about the kingdom. We just often have done it backwards. We've told people first, and then maybe we've prayed for them, and then maybe we've had a meal with them and probably never went to their home. But if we follow Jesus' recipe, like they did then, it says they came back with great joy. There is great joy when we live this amazing life of adventure, giving away our faith. Influence in you. You have influence. I have influence. And God says, in your influence, would you share my love? with somebody else. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you would like to download free notes from this message, then visit our website, www.coastalchurch.org.